these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful. They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you, all around you. Blind us to the truth! Take a look. They are safe as long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are or where they came from, but we gotta oh, stop them. Stay away from me. Put these on. They have us. Look at them, they're everywhere! Hey everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy. And today we're going to be talking about a non-canon film again. This time, John Carpenter's They Live from 1988. They Live! We Sleep. Starring Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David. Yes. As well as... I don't know why you were, you were gesturing to myself. I didn't appear in the movie, but... Uh, yes. Meg yes. Foster played uh, Holly Thompson. Raymond St. Jacques was the street preacher. George Buck Flower as the drifter slash collaborator, and Peter Jason as Gilbert. I mean, Gilbert. Yes. And um, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you probably already know what They Live is. Yeah, you've more than likely seen it, unless you're me. And you've probably seen that infamous fighting clip between Rowdy Roddy Piper and, and Keith David. I have to point this out right now. So, Keith David plays the character Frank Armitage. Mm-hmm. The movie is credited as being written by Frank, Frank Armitage, Armitage. Yes. which was the pseudonym of one John Carpenter. Yep, and that's what it was. This uh, this movie is strange in a lot of ways, but what it's essentially about is there's aliens who have come to Earth, and the only way to see them is to wear special sunglasses. We don't know where the sunglasses come we from. We don't know. It's actually just specifically a special lens. Yeah, it's a special lens. That later by on, the end of the movie, they're yeah. able to get down to the size of contact lenses. Yeah. So basically, it's uh, alien. It's kind of like uh, invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah, it's, 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 it has it's a neat little like throwback to like fifty style yeah. uh, sci fi alien. It's sci-fi. kind of if if you're right well, down to like the flying saucers, yeah, and the cigar shaped yeah. flying saucers as well. Yeah, if you're kind of uh, if you're a newer audience member, you never seen the movie. Think of it as between invasion of the body snatchers and Deus Ex, basically with all the conspiracy stuff. Basically, uh, yeah, that's that's basically the movie. Um, a lot of the, it's known for being a controversial movie, and I think mainly it's because of two things. One is the, uh, propaganda scenes, which are just kind of, I don't know, typical baby boomer kind of question authority type messages. It's, it's, it's very anti-capitalism, uh, which in the movie it's very It's mostly so. anti-establishment, but it's, it's very, it's kind of generic. You've heard it a hundred times. What's more controversial to me, and I think is, would have been more at the time, is, um, it's kind. The main characters are kind of terrorists at points, and if you it's, don't it's, have, it's, yeah, it's still if you don't have the vision, today. if you don't have the sunglasses scenes, it just looks like they're walking around shooting random people. So that's it. They're they're walking out there and just killing random. That's people. what they're actually doing. But if you don't have the context and you don't have the special scenes where you see the aliens, it's kind of disturbing. So I can kind of see why. But uh, other than that, it's pretty much a John Carpenter movie from the eighties. So you know what you're getting. Obey. Yeah. Consume. Yeah, it's... Reproduce. It's just typical. Like Conform. Yeah, it's kind of like Deus Ex. What Watch if, TV. What if all the conspiracies were real and what would cause them? And in this one they chose, well, how about if aliens came to Earth? And it leads to the, well, the conclusion of the movie where... I don't even want to say what the last scene is because it's so out there. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the basic plot is just that a drifter comes in uh, looking for a job uh, played by Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. He gets the job, beats Frank Armitage, played mm-hmm. by Keith, Keith David. David yeah. uh, stumbles upon the 
terrorist group that's trying to take down the aliens and requires a set of their sunglasses, goes on a shooting spree, <laughs> literally goes on a shooting spree and gets embroiled all of it until at the end he just um, almost coincidentally winds up, or no, not coincidentally, is it coincidentally I'm thinking of here? Just, oh, just, he just ends up at the big headquarters for them. Well, no, it was established earlier on that the the watches were two-way uh, communicators, and one guy actually did teleport earlier, so it was established that that's what they do, and that's what they were so, trying to so do. So they, by the end of the movie, they wind up where the big mm-hmm. signal's going out, and the final sequence is just Roddy Piper dying mm-hmm. as he takes down the satellite that is actually what's camouflaging all the hidden messages uh, out there. Yeah. And, and for the uh, first time, the veil is pulled back and people are able to see the aliens for what they were. Yeah. And the movie ends with the now classic line, What's wrong, baby? That's <laughs> such a goofy police to end it. Yeah, the movie to me is more about uh, alienation because there's a lot of scenes where people are alone and talking to themselves and staying away from the group. It's basically people can all look at the same thing but see different things. That's sort of where the glasses come from. And uh, a lot of it is basically uh, in the 80s where a lot of people were kind of disenfranchised with how things were going. And a lot of people were... They felt exploited. They, they felt that things were going down the crapper overall. And a lot of... Economically, environmentally. And, kind of familiar if you think about it. Because we feel like that every decade. Well, sort of sort of like that. And also as there's other people who see things a different way. And you're like, what are you, an alien? How do you see things like this? So I see where he came from, where he came up with this idea. And it was a very inventive uh, idea. And I thought it was... Pulled off really well, which would bring us into what we didn't think worked really well about the movie. What do you think is, what are the weaker aspects of the movie, Randy? Roddy Piper is very charismatic, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't really carry the movie. It's not until he starts having Keith David do, does it gets a little bit more, a little bit more watchable, but it's mostly, they they tried to keep his uh, lines down to a minimum. Yeah, it seemed like and so his acting wasn't the strongest. I think they could probably gotten somebody better, but well, John Carp- at the same time, John Carpenter hired him because if he had a very every. That's what I was about to say. It's like at the same time, it's like you'd have to get another every man type person mm. who could also act, but also look well, we didn't, like he could take it down a person in a fight. We didn't want another movie with Kurt Russell and directed by John Carpenter. That would have been too many. I mean, it's like uh... in a modern context, <laughs> if this movie was made now. It wouldn't have been Roddy Piper. It would be John Cena. It's like that every man that is overall very likable. Because if I remember correctly, that's what... Roddy wasn't a heel. He was a babyface, wasn't he? Or was he both? He, he's he been both. He, he's been both, but people liked him because he was he's extremely charismatic. Yeah, he has a way about him. And he does look a little bit more movie star than the average wrestler from the time. Like, definitely more movie star than uh, our good old buddy Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Yeah, actually, he does. Uh, my Little Light is kind of... Um... The feel is, it feels a bit uh, rougher and looser than most of John Carpenter's movies. Because the other ones I've seen are a lot tighter. Yeah, it's like I found it kind of waffles a little bit. It's like, okay, we're going to let this movie breathe. Yeah. And, and it, it does breathe. And a lot of it is just uh, Nada, played by Roddy Piper, just wandering the streets and, and taking everything in. It's like the opening shot is just this long sequence of him coming into... Uh, mm-hmm. Where are they again? Um... Los Angeles, just yeah. walking to Los Angeles, slowly walking through it, and we're getting an idea of like, okay, this is what Los Angeles looks like in 1988. Yeah. Uh, this is the conditions, and then there's long the long point, which actually has a point of him being in a homeless shelter camp. Yeah, it's probably... And it's a lot of setup, and then even once he has the glasses, it's more, mm. I'm wandering the streets. Yeah. 
John Carpenter probably had a lot of experiences in Helle, as they would call it at the time, so but, he probably wanted to put it all in but there. But that same, like, very slow pacing, that very same, mm-hmm. uh, like, very leisurely pace leads to probably one of the best sequences in the movie, the highlight of the film, mm-hmm. which is that famous scene, that five, I think it's like five, eight minute, five to eight minutes fight scene between Roddy Piper and uh, Keith David with him yeah. going, put on the glasses! Yeah. I don't want to put on the glasses! Put on the glasses! Yeah. Punch! And they just... Com- completely that's tear been, into each other for for like five to ten five to eight minutes yeah that's that's been parried i don't even know how many times and they, you probably put remember, on the hat probably remember the south park episode where the uh jimmy and timmy fight and that's straight out of this movie like shot for shot beat for beat it's the same exact thing and it goes on for just as long yeah which i guess probably is the highlight of the movie because of how crazy it is because up to this point that is the craziest moment in the movie next to him walking into a bank and just starting to shoot the aliens. Yeah, and like as a and obviously like Keith David and uh, Holly are kind of creeped out by the guy because obviously, like I said, if you don't have the context for what he did, he did He's... walk into a bank and shoot random people. So and then yeah, she, and then she, Holly, uh, which was which we're supposed to believe is like meant to be his love interest in many ways because he kidnaps her and then we're mm-hmm. not kidnaps. Yeah, technically it's kidnapping. And she finds the glasses, so we're made to believe that she picked up the glasses and she saw everything, and that's why she. And, ended and up then there. in in a final act twist, you find out that she's actually a traitor and she's actually one of the humans. Sympathizing with the aliens and helping them to maintain power, mm-hmm. which is you wonder if before was she just was she just uh, faking it earlier? Oh, well, she, she was faking it, or was she actually sorry for what she did? The the, the per- people she called she of course obviously she didn't pick up the uh, mm-hmm. a watch like all the other aliens do when they start doing it, but her phrasing and her descriptions were the exact same way the aliens would describe him when they when they called in. So yep. when she made the phone, she's like, "We I have a Caucasian male of at least thirty years old." Long hair, wearing a pair of sunglasses. He can see, uh, and he's saying he can see people. Mm-hmm. And those are the exact same things that the aliens are saying whenever they, they come out. So it's like, yeah. it's kind of a given way. And she's very uh, emotionalist, uh, like the that aliens are. So true. it's like, I kind of just assumed that she was going to betray him at the end. That is true. Uh, because if you, because only when she appears at the terrorist gathering in the final act is, is when they get invaded. Yeah, she also starts to, when she ta- talks to him, she also, for the only time in the movie, shows a little bit of emotion at that point. Yeah. That's the only time. So that's that's the point where you're thinking, so did, is, is she a traitor or did she regret what she was doing? Or was this like kind of a break and then it kind of passes? Who knows? Who knows? Because it's like at the end, she's the one that kills yeah, Keith she, David. She kills Frank Armitage. She kills... Yeah. Well, she doesn't kill him, but she leads to the death of Roddy Piper. Basically, uh, she was she was going to kill him anyway, but actually, she did give him a chance at the end. So again, it, that could also be interpreted as maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, she gives him a chance to come with her and be one of them. Yeah, so like I said, so maybe that's that was possibly a break. Again, who knows? So she may have actually legitimately developed feelings in her brief, uh, mm-hmm. because as you kind of creepily was like, no, you have all the power. But it was too. I'll late do by that anything point. you want. But it's like no, no, no. Nothing sexual here, lady. I'm just trying <laughs> to. Uh, try, I'm just trying to lay low for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Like and then she bashes him over the head with a a wine bottle, and he falls through a plate glass window, and then down rolls the down a hill. Yeah, that was that was probably the most intense part of the whole movie. It literally comes out of nowhere. But so what? Uh, so do you have anything like any other highlights for yourself on that? Uh, I just enjoyed the whole movie. It, if it's a John Carpenter movie from the '80s, it's it's worth watching, and this is this one's no different. It's not my favorite one because, well, we still haven't watched my favorite one, but uh, it's a great one. And of course, the best line is obviously, "I'm here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of gum." 
Um, yeah, that was because I've heard that line. It's been part That's of popular culture, from. but the best line in the movie, JD, is "What's wrong, baby?" <laughs> it's the last line of the movie. <laughs> which, which, if you're wondering why I keep going to that, because the last as as the veil is lifted and everybody can see everything, and people are are freaking out or saying like, "She's so ugly." You have a woman having sex with a man. And she's watching the TV, and she's like, oh, what's going on? And, and when she, she looks, looks down, her sexual partner is one of the ghouls, and he just looks at her and goes, what's wrong, baby? And, That's then, it, the movie and ends. then fade the black and go to credits. I'm like, like that... They could have ended it literally at that point at any one of those ones. <laughs> they chose that one. It's just so funny. No, they had to end on boobs. That's what they had to end the movie on. <laughs> Here's John Carpenter for you. Got to get some boobs in there somewhere. Which, which they actually didn't do throughout the whole movie, which was surprising until that point. Oh, well, yeah. Would've what's wrong, baby? Obvious. It would have been too obvious. Well, yeah, so uh, that's basically They Live. If you haven't seen it, I recommend going see it. So what would you uh, rate this one, Randy? I don't, I don't know why I always have to go first, but uh, it's as you it's said, it's, 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 it's not the best John Carpenter movie we've seen. No. Um, and it, but unlike the, the, the dirty word that it's attached to this movie of cult classic, <laughs> I actually kind of like the movie. So, and I could see myself giving this movie a four. It's like no problems. I, I can't go higher. I can't go say it's like a perfect movie. Because there are little well, issues with it's it. It's an hour and a half long, and it feels like it's like an hour forty five minutes. No, it actually felt less. It felt longer because we were we were stream. I had rented this through YouTube, mm-hmm. and my connection screwed up, and we had to stop twice. Remember? Yeah. And I had to let it buffer for like five minutes each, so it actually lengthened the movie. It, I found the movie, mm-hmm. even though I complained about some of the pacing, I felt that it moved at a consistent clip, and it felt it, it clocked in at roughly its hour and a yeah. half uh, runtime. It's a it's a good movie. It's enjoyable and. Uh, uh, if for an, for one of the best movies of the '80s, probably considered, um, I would recommend seeing it. But I would also give it a, a four. It's not perfect in uh, any way. And as I said, we've already watched. Its a influence few, is understandable. We already watched a few John Carpenter movies, and, and we already uh, watched a few cult classics. So it's like, yeah, yeah. And we're going to be watching other John Carpenter movies later. And of the ones I've seen and know are better than this one, which I would give a five to, it doesn't quite reach it. So yeah. So which John Carpenter films have we watched so far? We watched Halloween and we watched uh, Escape from uh, New York. Yeah, those two movies I would put above this one. Yeah, and we're going to be Which watching... I think I did. I think I gave them both fives, didn't I? Four or fives? Uh, you gave Halloween a four, which I also did, and we gave Escape from New York a five. Yeah, it's like I would place them above this movie. Yeah. there's uh, It's it's close. It's not quite there because there's a bit of flab that could have been trimmed, but as a whole, it's definitely worth seeing. And like I said, if it's John Carpenter and it was made in the 80s, Definitely go see it, and this one's no different. Yeah, just not John Carpenter in the 90s, because you don't want to see John Carpenter's Vampires or John Carpenter's <laughs> Ghost of Mars. I've never seen Vampires, but I have seen Ghost of Mars, and don't don't watch Ghost of Mars. <laughs> it's not a good movie. It's notoriously bad. There's a reason why that was his last movie today. But anyway, uh, that that's it for this episode, and uh, we'll see you next time, which is, uh, as of this one, it'll probably be our last episode of this season, I think. No, we have uh, two more episodes after this. We'll, we'll have... Um, two canon films, and, yeah. then, and then we're done. And then we're done for the season. So yeah, this is our last uh, non-canon for this season, and it's a good one to end on. So uh, anyway, everybody, uh, we'll see you next time. I'm JD. I'm, as always, the one and only Conform and Randy. We'll, and we'll see you next time. Next week. Goodbye. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick And I'm all out of bubblegum.